Hey, what's up, all you sinners? This is your Bible Belt Atheist, coming to you live from the capital city of the Bible Belt, Lynchburg, Virginia, also known as the hometown of the evil empire. What's up, everybody? I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, it, this is Sunday morning that I'm recording this on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the good dads out there, all the dads that take care of their responsibilities and raise their biologicals and a very special happy Father's Day to all the dads out there who are raising their unbiologicals, their stepkids that they treat as their own. And the world has a lot of guys like that. And I appreciate each and every one of them. I was raised by one of those gentlemen myself. So happy Father's Day. Uh, to all the deadbeat dads, to all the dads that uh, ran from their responsibilities, didn't take care of their children, fuck you. I hope you have a horrible fucking Father's Day, all of you. And that includes the guys who, when they had babies, they left and ran away and left moms to do everything themselves. And then when their kids were grown, they reached out and wanted to reconnect and wanted to have something to do with their children long after the hard work was already done. A very special fuck you to those guys out there. Um, I've talked a lot about my grandfather on my podcast, and he's still probably um, one of the most influential people in my life, in the history of my life. And he was absolutely amazing to me. Um, he passed away in 2008, but I still think about him every day. I woke up this morning thinking about him and thinking about my stepdad. Uh, my stepdad passed away in 2009. They, those two guys, the two most important men in my lives, both passed away within a year of each other. And I miss both of them. And I woke up this morning thinking about both of them. And um, all good thoughts, all great memories. And uh, I had to think about my mother as well, because um, you can't really uh, think about Mother's Day or Father's Day without thinking about the moms. And I look back on things that my mother must have gone through. Um, so just to give you a little backstory, I was born in 1972. And in 1972, things like divorce and uh, women having children out of wedlock was highly frowned upon. And it wasn't just frowned upon by religious folk. And it wasn't just frowned upon by churchgoers. It was frowned upon by pretty much everybody. We live in a, in a world now, we live in a country now, I think the report came out a few years ago, that there are actually more single mothers in our country than there are married mothers. And divorce and single motherhood is very accepted now. It's hard. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier uh, single mothers still have to work their asses off and, and do the work of two parents. But in 1972, when I was born, uh, I was born to a mother who uh, was already divorced. She was 21 years old and already divorced. And she had me out of wedlock. And um, it had to be just incredibly difficult in 1972. Now, her parents, who were divorced by then, um, accepted everything, loved her unconditionally, loved me unconditionally. There was never, she was never treated like she had made a mistake and ruined her life. I've heard people say that, oh, you just ruined your life. You made this big mistake. My mother was never treated that way. 
So um, I know my grandparents did a lot of things for me uh, before I was old enough to realize what was going on and before I was old enough to be able to form a memory of what they were doing for me. So I know they did a tremendous amount economically. Um, I'm sure they did great things. Um, just, you know, letting me stay at their house, babysitting me while my mother went to work one of her three jobs, you know, stuff like that. And, um, I, I don't know, I don't know how much religion has to do with it or religious beliefs have to do with it. But I know at that time, none of my grandparents were religious. None of them went to church. Um, none of them prayed before a meal or prayed at all. And, um, maybe that was the reason they were so accepting of my mother and me. Maybe I always think about that. And, um, so I find out years later that, um, my biological father was given a choice before I was born. When my mother found out she was pregnant, she told him you're either going to be a full-time father or nothing at all. And that's quite a, uh, that's quite an ultimatum to give to somebody, but he chose uh, not to be in my life. It was his decision. And I thank him for that decision because um, I've never met my biological father. And I'm looking back on it. My life is not um, any worse off because I've never met my biological father. I have a great life. I had a wonderful childhood, an amazing childhood with a lot of unreligious non-judgmental people around me. Um, my mother, my mother's a weird bird. I'll give you an example here. Um, she's got cousins out there that she knows where they are. She knows their phone number and she hasn't contacted any of them in over 30 years. But yet she has spent thousands of dollars doing DNA tests on things like ancestry.com and every other ancestry uh, type uh, set up that you can imagine. And she goes deep and she's traced her family tree back three or 400 years, but yet she won't reach out to anybody who's actually related to her. I think it's a little odd, but, um, she did find in her findings about a year ago, she came to me and she said, you know what? I found your biological dad and he's about 45 minutes away from here. He lives 45 minutes away from here. And she asked me, she says, do you want me to reach out to him on your behalf? And I said, no, I said, I, I have no use for reaching out to someone who didn't want anything to do with me. I really don't. And I don't feel like my life has suffered at all because of that. Um, I would rather concentrate and think about my stepdad today and uh, the amazing soul that he was. And I did not appreciate him to the fullest extent while he and my mother were still together. Um, so he met my mother, uh, in 1974 when I was two years old, he was a construction worker, which was all he ever did. He built houses and built amazing houses. He was a master carpenter. He, he was just phen phenomenal at his craft, a workaholic worked seven days a week. As long as the sun was out, he was building something. And uh, my mother was a waitress and they met and started dating. And two years later, 1976, I would have been four years old. They got married. And in 1976, for a man who's never been married and didn't have any children of his own, to marry a woman who was already divorced once and had a child 
was probably pretty frowned upon um, by religious folk. He took a brave step. Um, not a lot of people would have done that. Not a lot of people would have taken on that responsibility. And I got to tell you, he treated me like I was his son, like I was his own blood son. And he introduced me to everyone as his son. No one ever questioned it. No one ever said anything to me about it. It was years later. I was probably 10 or 11 years old when I found out that he actually wasn't my biological. I never knew. I always just assumed he was my biological father. And my mother was kind enough to tell me this piece of information uh, after she had had a big argument with my stepdad. My mother, that's her classic move to uh, get mad at someone and then tell their secrets to someone that it'll hurt. She likes to hurt people out of revenge. Um, so, yeah, I guess she thought that she was going to turn me against him if I found out he wasn't my biological, but it didn't phase me at all. The only way I can judge people is by how they treat me. And that's how I live my life now. Um, I have friends that are Christians, but they're really good to me and they're really nice to me. And that's the only thing I can judge them by is how they treat me. And I get that from my stepdad. Um, my stepdad was a very soft-spoken man who, uh, who I never heard raise his voice. I never heard him call anyone a name. I never heard him insult anyone. Um, I never saw him drink a drop of alcohol. Uh, his big vice, he smoked cigarettes. And he drank RC colas. And uh, he was a workaholic. He loved what he did. He loved what he did, and he was very good at it. But his family uh, accepted me at a at the early age of four, or even younger, because they started dating when I was two, and apparently I was introduced to his family when I was closer to two than I was to four. And um, he told them, he said, uh, you know, this is the deal. I'm, I'm going to marry this woman. He's going to be my son. I'm going to raise him that way. And you can take it or leave it. It was a bold move in the mid seventies to talk to a Southern family like that. And, um, he had, there were some precedents in the family. His uh, oldest sibling, his brother had done a similar thing. And in, in the late sixties, he married a woman that was divorced and had two children from a previous marriage. So it wasn't the first time this ever took place in the family. So they were a little bit conditioned to it, but everyone in that family, um, for the time that my stepdad and my mom were together, treated me like I was his son. They treated me like family. They didn't treat me any different from any of my cousins or any of the other grandchildren running around. And I was too young to appreciate that. Of course I didn't, I didn't notice it at the time. I just thought I was a kid having fun with my cousins and family members. And, but they treated me the same. I never got left out of anything. I was never taught too differently. I had a, it was a great existence, I have to admit. And um, I don't know if this is coincidence or if this is just why it sticks out in my mind, but I don't ever remember anyone in his family, any of his siblings, his parents, anyone ever going to church. I don't ever even remember hearing about going to church. I saw a picture of my stepdad once at a young age where he was, he was a young man and 
he was standing in a church at somebody's baptism uh, and he's wearing a tie. Now, I never saw my stepdad wear a tie. I never saw, I never knew him to own one. I don't think he did. Um, when he passed away in 2009, my Aunt Faye, who was his sister, asked me, she said, what do you think we should bury him in? What do you think we should dress him in? And I only ever saw him in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt that had the little pocket on the chest, right? That's all I ever saw him wear. So I said, well, that's the nice pair of jeans and a nice t-shirt. That was who he was. I mean, the man was six foot tall. I don't think he ever weighed over 135 or 140 pounds. Lean, tough, soft-spoken, a sweetheart of a guy. If you met him out somewhere, he was very shy. He wasn't going to strike up a conversation. But if you got to talking to him, you'd find out he's just a soft-spoken sweetheart of a guy. And I never saw him go to church. I never saw him mention church. When my mother, when I was young, my mother decided she wanted to give church a try for a little while. He had no part of it. She'd go to church. He'd go to work. And I often wonder, and this is one of the earliest memories that I have of religion, I often think, had he come from a religious family, had he been a religious man himself, would he have ever thought of marrying a divorced woman that already had a child and had that child out of wedlock, I might add, because my mother's first husband is not my father either. So I often wonder, had he been a religious man, would he have had anything to do with me? And I have to question that because even now, a lot of time has gone by. A lot of things have changed. And like I said, you know, divorces and single mothers are way more common, way more accepted now. But the church still has issues with it. They still have issues with the breakdown of what they call the breakdown of the family unit. And I often wonder what my life would have been like, where I would be, what my belief systems would be. Who would I be as a person had these people who had no biological link to me, how they would have treated me if had they been religious or come from a religious family. And to be honest with you, I'm thankful every day that they weren't a religious family. I'm thankful every day that they didn't pray before meals and that religion was not a part of their life. I'm thankful for that. And I used to love holidays. They celebrated holidays. It was a small town. We all lived, all of my cousins, all of my stepdad's family, everyone lived within 10 minutes of each other. Small town, Georgia. Family had been there for generations. Very well-respected family. Um, my stepdad's dad was a builder and a farmer, and his brother was a farmer, and they just, they were a big part of the community. And my life was pretty fucking awesome back then. Um, I really, I was treated so well. My, my stepdad's parents one day just took me out and said, we're going shopping. They took me out and brought me my first brand new bicycle. I was like four years old. They took me and bought me a bicycle. They accepted me. They treated me as their own. And I don't think for one second that they would have done that if they would have brought God into the equation. 
So um, I'm very thankful for that. Very, very thankful. Um, another interesting thing about my mother and uh, my stepdad, um, they divorced in 1986 when I was 14 years old. So he was a big part of my life every day for 12 years. Neither one of them ever remarried. And I find that really odd because they divorced in their mid-30s. And now when people divorce in their mid-30s, they're remarried again within a couple of years. I mean, that's pretty common. That's probably more common than people not getting remarried. But my mother and my stepdad, neither one ever were remarried. And when I look back on the marriage, I, uh, I kind of blame it all on my mom. I'm still close to my mom now. But I'm close enough to be able to accept her flaws and her imperfections. And hopefully she accepts mine. I think she does. But I think, uh, I don't think she was ever 100% fair with my stepdad looking back on it. But he loved her. And for as angry as she would get with him, and she would insult him and call him names, I never heard him say one bad word about my mother. He accepted her for the way she was until she no longer accepted him. And then that's when they went their separate ways. But I find it fascinating that neither one ever remarried. My stepdad has since passed. My mother is still alive. But she's never remarried. She's never had, to my knowledge, a really serious relationship since her and my stepdad divorced. But um, I'm thankful every day. I woke up this morning thinking about him. I woke up early this morning, got up made a cup of coffee and I've thought about him all morning. I've thought about how strong and how tough and how independent of a person he must've been to say in 1974 in the deep South in front of all his family, this is going to be my wife. This is going to be my son. And you are going to treat him that way. I mean, that's, that's pretty fucking amazing for the time. And I, and I haven't lost respect and love for that. Um, I've always believed in a saying that I've been saying it so long that I don't even remember if I came up with it or if I heard it somewhere, but I've always believed in the saying that it's not about who made you. It's about who raised you. And I think that's very important. Now, if you listen to someone that's deeply involved in religion or deeply involved in their church, um, I don't think they have as much respect or admiration for stepdads and stepmoms and steps out there in the world. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have horrible stepparent stories. They weren't treated right. They might have been abused. Um, their, their parent may have been abused. I'm sure those horror stories exist. I've, I've heard several of them. But I'm thankful every day that I don't have that story to tell. My story is a, a great story as far as I'm, I'm concerned. I've said it over and over again. I had a great childhood. But had religion been involved and been a big part of my childhood, I think it would have been detrimental and destructive to me as a person. I don't think I would have been accepted. I don't think I would have gotten the love and support that I've gotten over the years had people in those important moments and those important spots had said, well, you know, God doesn't really like divorce. 
And God doesn't really approve of children being born out of wedlock. And God doesn't approve of people living together without being married. This God you people have out there that are religious is a very unapproving motherfucker. It takes a lot to make that dude happy. And you being happy as a Christian is not high on his agenda. You know, your God would prefer that you stay together and be miserable and take it out on your children. You know, children know when their parents don't get along at a very early age. They can feel it. They can sense it. I knew when my mom and stepdad were having problems. So, you know, hiding it and saying, well, we have to st- we have to stay together for the kids. Or we have to stay together because we would be embarrassed to have to tell everyone in our church that we're getting a divorce. If you're only staying with someone because of your God, you're only going to hurt yourself and you're only going to take it out on your children. I'm, I don't have studies in front of me. I don't have charts and graphs to show you, but forcing something on a child that isn't real, that it's make-believe, much like religion. The same make-believe consists of two people staying together that hate each other. That fairy tale of we're going to stay together for the kids. We're going to stay together for the church. It's just, it's a disaster waiting to happen. It really is. I've known a lot of people that come from that quote-unquote broken home. And I hate that fucking term. My home has never been broken. Okay? Never. I had a great home. Whether I was with a single mom, or I was with my mom and my stepdad, whether I was with my mom and my grandparents, my home was never fucking broken. Okay? So, the religious beliefs of those who think that broken homes or horrible, or that you should stay together for the kids, or you should stay together because that's what God wants you to do. It's better to be miserable and live a fucking lie than it is to upset your God. That is the mentality that causes more harm and more mental anguish in our society than just about anything else. Don't punish your children because you and your spouse can't get along. If you have an argument and you find out that maybe we're not compatible, maybe we don't really like each other, maybe we don't get along, your children see that shit. They feel it at at, at a very young age. Tension is, is invisible, right? You can't see tension, but you can feel it. And I think that's part of why um, I have my issues with religion. One of the many reasons why, but it's the fact that it forces people to do things that are unhealthy for their loved ones or unhealthy to their loved ones in the name of doing what you think God wants you to do. And it's dangerous, and it's unhealthy, and it's bullshit. 
if there was a God, if there is a God, and that God truly wanted me to be happy, he would have led my life exactly the way it's gone right now, to where I'm at right now. No God would have changed a thing. But, you know, there's some people out there that think that I have to do what's right in the eyes of God, even if it totally destroys the mental health of my children. And I think that's horrible. All right. So a little bit more about me. Um, I'm the father of a 26-year-old son. Um, but he lives about two hours away from me. And to my shock and amazement, he's ended up being very, very independent and very, very uh, self-sufficient. And what I mean by that is um, I honestly kind of thought that uh, he was on a path to live in my basement and play video games for the rest of his life. Um, his mother and I split up several years ago and he ended up going with her and she ended up putting him through some very traumatic experiences, which caused him to be briefly homeless and not have a job. And she left him there and basically he had to fend for himself. And within one day he found two jobs and within a couple of weeks he had a roof over his head, but he had to do it himself. I didn't even know this stuff was going on to be honest with you, but he was forced to pick himself up and become independent. And it was through no fault of his own actions that were completely out of his control. And looking back on it now, uh, I'm a big fan of turning po turning negatives into positives and finding those silver linings. Um, I'm now kind of thankful for what he went through because he's now become a strong, independent, tough individual. And I'm very proud of him as a dad. And I wasn't always the best dad. Uh, his mother and I, we, uh, we had turmoil in the household. Um, I had addiction issues and she had addiction issues and, uh, we just all, we weren't always the best parents. We loved him. He knew that he knew he was being loved. And I always worked hard, uh, to provide for him. And the one thing that I, that I got from my stepdad and from my grandfather was a very, very, very strong work ethic. And I grew up to show love for my son the same way my stepdad showed love for me. And that was to work constantly to provide everything that a child could want or need. Now, I didn't grow up rich. Don't get me wrong. My stepdad was a phenomenal, phenomenal builder of homes, but he never could quite figure out a way to make a lot of money at it. And, um, I was pretty, when my son was little, I was really good at what I did, but I never made a fortune doing it. So I, I got that from my stepdad and I felt like the best way to show love is to work all the time and provide things, um, a nice house. Um, you know, I wanted my son to have all the things that I didn't have. And most parents feel that way. And for years, that was how I, I've shown love to my son was just to be a good provider. Uh, I coached his soccer team for several years and I was always around for his birthdays and so on and so forth. But his mother uh, did most of the daily nurturing. 
And I found out years later after we went our separate ways that she spent a lot of that time trying to turn him against me. And he, we now have our relationship is the best it's ever been. And it continues to get better. And, uh, I've had to keep my distance from him because I want him to continue on that path of being tough and being strong and being independent. He knows I'm here. He calls me from time to time. He needs advice. Once a year, he'll ask me for a little money. Hey, I need a little help. Pay this bill. And of course, I always help. That doesn't happen very often, though. That's rare now. Um, but I want him to be independent. I want him to be strong. I want him to be tough. And I, another thing I want is I want to prove to him that I'm not anything that his mother told him that I was. And by keeping distance and keeping in arm's length away, I think we have accepted each other more. I'm very accepting of who he is as a person, who he's trying to be, what he's trying to accomplish, because he's going in the right direction, and I'm proud of that. You know, um, there was a huge difference between myself and um, my mother and you know, they, they always say that every man marries his mother. And I swore I was never going to do that. And I did it. And I think all men do it. And the similarities between my ex and my mother are, are just blaring at me. There's like, how the fuck did I not see that coming? My mother's a bit of a control freak. She wants to control the narrative. She wants to control the conversation. She wants to control everything. So my stepdad being a workaholic cleared the path for her to do that. And that's what she did. And um, so I married a woman that was the same way. And I became a workaholic. So I cleared the path for her to form the thoughts and beliefs that my son developed as a child. I really wish I hadn't done that. But again, turn a negative into a positive. I'm thrilled with where we are now. It took him going through some horrible things. It took me having to go through those horrible things with him from afar. But we got through it. And we came out better on the other side. Our relationship got stronger. It got better. And like I said, we're in the best place we've ever been. And I love it. And he sent me a text this morning, a happy Father's Day text, which I'm very happy with. And, you know, he um, he works a lot. He's working today, as a matter of fact. And apologize for not being able to get together and at least have lunch today because he's got to work and I'm, I dig it, man. You, you're fucking on the brink of despair and living at the Salvation Army, man. If you want to work on Father's Day, please do. Um, but the fact that he reached out to me at all, that he remembered was pretty awesome. Uh, my son's a typical 26 year old. I don't think he watches the news. His current events come from whatever his buddies tell him. Uh, he probably spends most of his time when he's at home on the computer watching Netflix. I think he told me he doesn't even have a TV anymore. and just all done through his laptop or his computer. And uh, that's cool. I think it's awesome. I, you know, right now, I'd rather a 26-year-old be a little bit out of touch rather than having to fill up their head with all the bullshit that's going on out there. But I'm very proud of him and I'm very happy. And if he didn't text me today or if he didn't call me today, I was not even going to think about being worried about that. Um, he was raised in a household where, of course, we weren't religious. So 
you know, holidays were just another reason to hang out. That's really all they were. We celebrated Christmas. We celebrated Easter. We did all the typical shit, but we never sat around all day reading from the Bible, talking about, oh, today's Jesus's birthday. No, it was just a day, have an excuse to cook a big meal, hang out, and just enjoy each other's company. And all the holidays were like that. Now, when he was growing up, when he was a kid, uh, my ex, his mother, went out of her way, and she did a great job every year. She made, on his behalf, she would make Father's Day special for me, whether it was a meal or whatever. And I would do the same for her. I always made sure that she had a nice Mother's Day on his behalf. And that's, I think, the way things should be, you know. Um, but looking back on it now, if I would have changed anything, it would change where we are today. It would change where we are now. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. He seems to be pretty happy with it. Now, to all of those deadbeat dads that don't uh, take care of their own and put all the responsibility on single moms out there, I don't think you're worth salvaging. I don't think a relationship with someone like that is worth pursuing, salvaging, or trying to maintain. Um, I've got a friend of mine who, uh, in the last few years, uh, his dad left when he was a year old. Never saw him, never talked to him. And then when he's in his early 30s, his dad reappears and wants to reconnect. And he did. He gave him an opportunity. And it completely fucked my friend up. My friend was going well. He had a good job. He had a good education. Life was good. He lets this piece of shit back into his life because he thinks it's the right thing to do and fucked him up, Uh, caused him to change as a person, caused him to lose his marriage, caused him to lose his job. And some people are just fucking toxic. Some people are so self-absorbed, so self-righteous and don't give a fuck about anybody but themselves. Some people are so ate up with that. that They're just toxic for anything and anyone around them. And that's how I feel about religion, that it's just, it's fucking toxic. It only causes harm. That's how I feel about it. And as a parent, as a parent of a kid that has totally done a 180, and continues to impress and amaze me. I don't want to be toxic. You know, there's a part of me that, there's a real part of me that wants to call him every day or text him every day and say, is there anything I can do for you? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do to help? That's what my mother would do. But I don't want to do that. I want him to figure it out for himself. Part of, I think, being a good parent is once your kids reach certain plateaus and certain levels is that you just have to kind of let them figure it out for themselves. And my girlfriend's really good about that. There's been times where she's kind of put him on an island and let him kind of figure it out for himself that I even thought, man, he, you know, maybe we should help him a little bit. Maybe we should, you know, but he's a smart kid. He's only going to get smarter if he has to figure it out for himself. So part of parenting, and I believe part of being a good parent, is taking a step back once in a while. Taking a step back and letting your child form 
their own opinions and form their own beliefs. Again, I bring it up again with religion. The people that think that making their child go to church every Sunday, making their child go to a religious school or faith-based school, forcing their children to do these things because they think it's the right thing to do. You're creating robots. You're not creating, um, you're not creating people that are going to go out and be innovative and do creative and positive things. You're creating robots. You're creating people. And I see them all the time where if you ask them a question, their response is they'll quote you a scripture out of the Bible. They can't even form an answer for themselves. They can't form their own opinion. They can't form their own beliefs because they've been so indoctrinated by their parents, you know, their parents that they bought Father's Day and Mother's Day gifts for, but now can't answer a question without their brain going back to, okay, which Bible verse do I quote now to get myself out of this? And yeah, that's a big part of it is these people that don't let their children form their own lives. I think it's harmful. I think it's bad. I think my girlfriend's doing a great job. She's letting her son form his own life, his own life and form his own opinions about things. Letting him go through the thought process that it takes to figure things out on his own. You know, I spent my son's childhood just trying to win the rat race, chasing paper, trying to make more money, trying to, you know, make sure that when he turned 16, he got a great car and making sure that he always had a new and kick-ass laptop and making sure when he got older that he had a new phone every year and doing all of these things that I thought made his life better because I was giving him the things that I didn't have. Well, as I said earlier in this podcast, I didn't have a lot of things, but the one thing that I had was an amazing childhood. And that amazing childhood did not come from the things that my stepdad worked his ass off to give me. I appreciated those things. I loved having a roof over my head. I loved having food in the refrigerator. But when I look back on how great my childhood is, I don't think about things. I think about people. I think about conversations. I think about confidence. What do I mean by confidence? My stepdad was my biggest fan. He would tell people that I could do anything that I put my mind to. Anything that I made up my mind I was going to do, he had the confidence in me that I could get it done. That did not involve buying me a toy. That did not involve buying me a phone. That did not involve making sure that my Netflix account was paid for. Those were spoken words. Those were votes of confidence that came directly from him. I would stand beside him. And he would tell people out in public, we'd be at a grocery store or most likely a hardware store or a lumber yard. And he would tell people how smart I was. He would tell people how good a job I was doing in school. He would tell people that he was proud of me that I would get up at the crack of dawn 
at 10 years old and go to work with him and jump on a roof before the sun came up so I could help him put shingles on a house that day. None of that stuff required him buying me anything. I can't put into words how happy that made me, how good that made me feel to hear him brag about me to other people. Now, I know we run into people in the world, you know, everybody likes to brag about their kids, right? But I never felt like he was bragging. I felt like he was stating his opinion and his belief in me. Now, a lot of people brag about their kids and they probably shouldn't be doing it. Like, little Johnny's really smart. Well, I don't know. I saw little Johnny have to pay some girl a quarter to tie his shoes for him because he was too fucking stupid to do it. So you might not want to brag about little Johnny so much. But I think you get where I'm coming from, right? All of my fond memories of childhood, all of my fond memories about my stepdad and my grandfather, mostly involved conversations. I mean, we did some cool stuff. We go swimming, go fishing. We did all the cool stuff. I had a lot of cool stuff going on. Ball games, you know, things like that. I remember the conversations. I remember the boost to my little fragile ego. I remember the boost to my little fragile, low self-esteem because as a kid, you know, you go to school and you have interactions with people your own age. And sometimes you get down about yourself, you know, this guy's got cooler shoes than I do, or this guy can run faster than I do in PE or whatever. And then you go home and your parents, they think that the sun rises and sets in your ass. And that's pretty amazing. Anytime I did something good, my stepdad always pointed it out. You know, I would come home and I would have straight A's on my report card and say, look, I got straight A's. He said, that's awesome. I'm very proud of you. Now let's go back to work. I dug that. I dug that. So, uh, I guess the main thing that I'm trying to express today is appreciate dad as much for the boost of confidence he gives you as much for the, the bragging that he's going to do about you. And he's going to do it about you your whole life. I'm 48 years old, almost 49. And my mother still brags about me. It's pretty fucking annoying, but I'm thankful that she does. And, uh, you know, those are the people in your life. Those are the memories you're going to have. You're going to take with them with you forever. You're going to remember the conversations a lot more than you're going to remember the phones and the TVs and the cars and that stuff. There's more to being a parent than just buying your kids shit. I know because I went through that rut when my son was little. I thought that I had to buy him the coolest, newest shit. Because I wanted him to be the cool kid at school. I was a cool kid at school. But I was never the cool kid at school. You know what I mean? I, I went as far as to stand out in front of a Best Buy and wait in line on a Friday morning to make sure that my son got a Wii for Christmas to play video games. That I used to bitch about him doing too much. Now see, that doesn't make any sense. I used to complain that he played video games too much. But I would stand in front of fucking Best Buy at 5 o'clock in the morning to make sure he got a new video game system. I'm not nearly as smart as I think I am. But uh, yeah, just remember on this Father's Day, words are more important than things. 
attitude is more important than just about anything. If you can teach your child to have a positive attitude, if you can teach your child to turn the negatives into positives and always find the silver linings, that's what being a parent is about. Teaching them good habits, teaching them a good work ethic, that's important. All the other stuff, the things, are bullshit. And I got news for you. Kids are smart nowadays. They can get those things without you. Think about it. So anyway, that's it. Happy Father's Day. I hope all the real good dads out there uh, have a great day. And I hope all of the deadbeat dads uh, end up with flat tires today. So there you have it. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening to the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are a repeat sinner, thank you for coming back. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, emails are much appreciated. Uh, ratings and and comments on whatever platform you listen to is always great. Thank you very much for those. If you'd like to email me, please email me at the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. No capital letters, no punctuation, just the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. Now get out there and get to sinning.